Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to jump into today's message, and I'll be saying this uh, for many weeks to come here. I want to continue with the series I've been teaching on called Love. Everybody say love. Uh, I want to talk to you today about the truth that love covers. Uh, John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 says this. It says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, by what? By our love. By this, how many realize then that's how they're going to know we're disciples, right? It ain't going to be how much we shout in church. It ain't going to be how much we lift our hands in worship. It ain't going to be how much we uh, come to church. It's, it's how much we show them love. It says, by this shall men know your disciples, if you have love, not only show them love, but love one to another. How many of you realize showing love to the people you live with is probably more difficult than showing love to the person you've just, that's a bypasser, right? So we're, we're, gonna learn, we're learning about that in this message. So let's pray before we begin, and let's just trust God uh, for what he has for us today, and that he'll get across his words, not mine. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and I just thank you for your truth. I thank you for your word, and I just ask that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit, through me as your servant. I thank you that you would speak to our hearts, that you would write upon our hearts and deposit grace and truth into us. I pray that our eyes would be open, that distraction would be minimized in Jesus' name, and we would be able to walk out of here because of what we heard to say my life is better. I've grown closer to Jesus. I've become more like him. And my life is better because I came to church this morning. I give you praise and thanks for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I've said this every week, and I will say it every week as we talk about love. Love is the greatest subject that we can ever seek to understand as believers. Uh, to, show, to, to, to know and to grow and to show God's love is the greatest thing we can do as believers. You know, a, a lot of people clamor for a lot of things and are looking for a lot of things in churches, but at the end of the day, whether it's a church or whether it's our own personal devotional time, the greatest thing we can seek is love. It's a commandment Jesus gave us in our opening text, and in 1 Corinthians 14, we see this. It says, eagerly pursue, eagerly pursue, right? It means our heart needs to be like excited about this is what I'm excited about. How many of you have eagerly pursued something, right? Uh, you know, football season's getting ready to take off, and if you're a strong football fan and you know, tailgate time and you're going to games, you're eagerly pursuing that, right? We should have the same excitement about pursuing love. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim and your great quest. And so it says our greatest quest in our life as a believer is for us to learn to walk in love. I posed this question several times over the last few weeks. If you never achieved another dream, if you never advanced any further in life, if you never saw any of your hopes, desires come to pass before you, your life on this earth was over, but you grew in love, would you consider your life a success? According to Scripture, if that's your highest aim, then it would be a success. Now, I will tell you this up front. It's the punchline to the whole series is this, that if you'll walk in love and you'll put others first, You'll experience all the other stuff that we're saying you just need to set to the side, right? Because you've given that to Jesus and he'll take care of it. And so, the, and so we said this, is that, that this walking in love is the best way for us, first of all, to know God. And it's the best way also for us, for others to know God through us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Now, we said last week that's important to recognize. The kind of love we're talking about is not the kind of love that the world gives. It's a love that only comes from God. It's different. It's unique. It says, for love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So what that verse tells us is, is that the way we grow to know God is through his love. First of all, when we practice that love for others, we experience it through us, so we become experiential, we gain experiential knowledge of what it means for God to love us. But not only that, when we show that love to others, that's how others experience his love. So I said this, the magnitude to which we learn to walk in love, the magnitude to which we learn to walk in love is the magnitude to which we will know God. That's really important. Because you can be the most uh, studious person of Scripture and know it inside and out, but if you haven't grown in love, you don't know him the way he wants you to know him. Right? And so it's important for us to recognize that. And we also pointed out that the kind of love that we're talking about, when we grow to know that love, it'll cause us to be uncommon people. Uh, now, you know, we got a lot of unique people in here, right? <laughs> how, many, how many of you say the person to your right or your left maybe is a little unique, right? They're a little different. All of us are, right? So we've got a lot of unique people in our lives. And, uh, but what this verse is, what the, what the love of God teaches us is that we will be unique and different, we will be uncommon. Right, And so if we, as, as we've really talked about this over the last couple of weeks and as we continue to talk about it, what we're going to see is that this love that he's called us to is truly something that is different than the, the, the love the world talks about. Because, you know, you've got all the songs out there, you know, I mean, just about every song in the world has been written about love gained or love lost or love sought, right? Um, you know, and, and, and so that's not the kind of love we're talking about. That's an emotional love or a friendship love, but the kind of love we're talking about is uncommon and different. And Jesus laid it out for us in Matthew chapter 5 in his Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to read to you from the Message Bible, but I just want you to see how uncommon and really how alarming this love is that we've been called to. When I say alarming, it'll cause you to stop for a minute and go, ow, that hurts, i got to do that, Right? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44 says this, it says, you're familiar with the old written law, love your friend, and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. <laughs> and it goes on to say in verse 44, I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Now just stop right there. How many of you realize that's hard? When somebody's done you wrong, to love your enemies. But he said, that's the kind of love. That's the uncommon love he's calling us to, to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. Wow, I mean, that's just really strong. You know, because I mean, even as Christians, when somebody does us wrong, our knee-jerk reaction is to bring out the worst in us. But we've got to learn to restrain that, is what this says. To bring, it says, let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. I want to respond with the energies of a punch in the face. How about you? Right? Or at least a slap. Or if they're not around, at least an unkind word about them. But the Bible says, let us respond with the energies of prayer. And then you are working out your true selves. Everybody say my true self. See, here's the thing you need to understand as a believer. As a believer, whether you feel like loving or not, the real you has love on the inside of you. And that's who God's called you to be. And we have to learn to mature and grow in that and make right choices to let the real us out. For some of us, I mean... Real us is fighting to get out as hard as they can, right? But we need to be like a wet paper bag when it comes to our flesh and our minds so that our real us can say, ah, get out of the way, flesh and mind. I'm going to let love 
live in my life. It says, for with the, then, you're work, then you're working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish, to everyone, regardless of the good or bad, the nice or nasty, and nasty. And if all, you do, if all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. See, i got to tell you, in the world, they, they're patting themselves on the back because they're loving each other because they're all agreeing with each other. Right? But the minute you don't agree with somebody and your truth is different than their truth, all of a sudden love goes out the window. Well, do you deserve an award because you can love everybody that agrees with you? That's not what it says here. Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner can do that. <laughs> I love the message sometimes. It says, in a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. See, I will tell you this. This, this message, I, I said this at the very beginning. If you'll make a commitment to do this series of messages, 12, well, now we're down to about 10 weeks. 10 weeks from now, you're going to look back at your life and you're going to say, I'm different. If you grow up, right? How many of you have kids, you tell them to do stuff when you had kids, if you had kids? Tell them to do stuff and they don't do it. Okay, I'll do it, and then they don't do it. That's a sign of immaturity, right? Amen or oh me if you're a teenager and you're not, and you're, you're right? Because teen. Anyway, we'll, we'll let that one set for a minute. It says, in a word, what am I saying? Grow up. You're kingdom subjects. You're kingdom subjects. So what that's saying is this. When you gave your life to Jesus, you said, I am confessed. See, because a lot of people think, I've said this every week too. Well, I keep repeating myself. How many of you realize it's okay to repeat yourself? The Bible says line upon line, precept, precept, here a little, there a little, right? Where was I going? Your kingdom subjects. Your kingdom subjects, right? So what does that mean, you're a kingdom subject? I think about that for a minute. A lot of people think when they get born again, they're, they're just getting a ticket to heaven. You know, I'm going to accept Jesus so I don't go to hell. <laughs> and that's okay, right? I mean, that's, that's one of the benefits of being a believer, right? You get to go to heaven because Jesus died for your sins, not because you earned it by good works. Well, that's a good hearty amen, right? But what he says here, he just says, you're kingdom subjects. He's saying that when you make a decision to accept Jesus, not only are you saying, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm getting this ticket to go to heaven, but you're acknowledging that uh, all the glory belongs to you. As we were saying, right? I mean, you deserve the glory. It's, it's you that I'm giving my life to, right? We're making a decision to change our way of life. So that's what he's saying. You're a kingdom subject. That if you're a kingdom subject, submit yourself to this new way of living, Right? Now live like that, like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives towards you. Now I got to tell you, that's important. So we're called, how many, that will make you uncommon. That'll make you uncommon when somebody does you wrong to bless them. That'll make you uncommon when somebody does you wrong not to talk about it. That'll make you, that'll make you uncommon when somebody is selfish towards you for you not to be selfish towards them. That'll make you different in the world. Now, the thought that's instantly threatening to our unrenewed minds and our flesh is this. Well, if I do that, I'm always going to get used. I'm going to always be the doormat in the equation. But that is the product. Even thinking that way is the product of an unrenewed mind. Why do I say that? Because you will not always be the bottom. You will not always be a doormat if you are giving yourself to God, saying, look, God, I'm going to do it your way because I believe you'll take care of me. 
And I don't have to worry about always being the doormat because you'll work out my stuff that I don't have to work out myself. You know, a lot of times, man, I, may, I might not even get to the, my message today. You know, a lot of times when, when we get into arguments and fights, we want to try to fix things instead of just walk in love. We want to try to explain ourselves instead of just walk in love. We want to try to argue our side of the equation instead of just walk in love. Well, you don't understand, you know, if you just would walk in love, just say, well, I just forgive them. How many of you real and just let God deal with it? You won't create, a lot of times we're creating messes when God said, if you get out of the way, I'll clean it up. If you'll just walk in love, right? So don't, just a little piece of advice. When you're in an argument, if, 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 I mean, you know, there are times where we need, as individuals need to discuss things and talk about things, but if you can't do it in love, then just walk in love and stay away from it. Amen. And let God deal with it. And you won't be the doormat. You may initially seem like you've lost, but if you'll trust God, he'll get it back for you. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself. See, we've reminded ourselves every week that if we will take care of others, God will take care of us. That's just plain and simple. You know, I have me realize God don't make things hard when it comes to following him. Sometimes we talk about faith and we talk about believing God and we talk about all these recipes for faith and believing God and all of them are there, biblical and right. So we're working our faith principles. But the reality is, is if you'll just take care of others, trust in God that he'll take care of you, he'll do it. <laughs> He's promised us that. Romans chapter 12 and verse 19 says this. It says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. <laughs> if he thirsts, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Notice, we are told to not lash out and avenge ourselves when we are done wrong. We're basically told not to look out for number one when number one is wronged. Now, what that seems like on the surface when you read this from an unrenewed mind, so if you, if you saw it this way, there's growth in love that needs to take place in you. Because when we first read this on the surface, what it says is, is, don't you get even because I'll get even for you. That's the way a lot of people read that, right? Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. See, we read it like, okay, I'll forgive them, but God, you go get them. That's the way, we, that's the way a lot of people look at that. A lot of people, you may look at it that way. You know, I'll just forgive them because it'll heap coals of fire on their head. I'll get them that way. I'll, I'll, I'll dig into them with love. Right? I'll throw a little dig with insincere, sarcastic love is what I'll do. Right? But that's not what that verse is saying. That verse is, I mean, think about it. If God is saying, don't you get them, I will, then what is he saying? He's saying, do what I say, but don't do what I do. Right? But how many you realize God don't tell us to do what he says, but don't do what he does. He tells us to live like Jesus would live, be like Jesus, right? So the spirit of this verse isn't, you forgive them so I can get them. <laughs> the heart of it isn't saying that at all. 
If your heart, think about it for a minute. If your heart's saying, Lord, I won't do anything about it, but I sure hope you do, you haven't forgiven them yet. You're still bitter in your heart towards them. You still want ill will towards them. Right? And we said last week, love worketh no ill towards its neighbor. What is God saying? He says there, give place to wrath. Now see, what that means is we hear it as make room for God to jump in here and pour out his wrath. But what that word give place means, it, was, it means relinquish from yourself wrath. See, we need to relinquish from ourselves wrath and anger over the matter. We need to forgive them. What that verse is saying is, is give place, to, relinquish wrath, forgive them. Why? Well, the next, verse tell, the next part of that verse tells us why. It says, because vengeance belongs to God. Everybody say vengeance. The word vengeance is the word that means punishment as a result of judgment. And I will tell you something, we're first of all called not to judge, and we're also not called to dish out the punishment for judgment when it comes to the things of God. God takes care of his own stuff. But what this verse says, it says, vengeance belongs to God. There will be a day when every man gives an account for his unrepented sin. Now see, when you say that, I, I wanted to say unrepented sin. Why? Because some people are like, oh my gosh, I've done so many things wrong. If you forgive, ask God to forgive you, guess what? You ain't going to have to give an account for that because he says, I threw it in the sea of forgetfulness. Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus? Hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Woo, man, maybe this week there's some stuff you need to just dump into that sea, right? Just remember that. But what it says here is his judgment belongs to God. So there's going to be a day when he will pour out judgment for, and there'll be justice meted out, spiritual justice meted out. And I will tell you that, that won't be a happy day for God. God don't look forward to striking anybody down. You know how I know that? Because he's given them a lot of time right now to get it right. <laughs> but I want you to notice something about, we'll say, when is that day of judgment? Let me notice just something about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 19. It says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Notice this, notice this. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. What's the message of reconciliation? That God's not holding your sins against you right now. And if you'll accept Jesus, they can be gone forever in eternity. Right? So when the Bible says judgment is mine, vengeance is mine, what God is really saying is this. There's coming a day of judgment, but it ain't right now. Because what I'm doing right now is not holding men's sins against them, so I'm calling you not to hold men's sins against them either. Make room for vengeance one day. Get, get that out of your life, right? He's saying don't lash out when others do you wrong. Do what I do. Forgive and bless them. How many of you realize that that's what God's in the business of? He sent his son to die for us when we were sinners. He's a God that's going to try to win you over with his goodness. Right? But i got to argue my point. i got to understand so I can win them over. That ain't the way you win them over. Forgive them and love them. You say, but they don't deserve it. You didn't deserve it either when he's down across for you for that matter. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Dearly beloved... 
Paul goes a step further to explain this. He says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him, and if he thirst, give him drink, and in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome, but o- be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. See, another reason we can actually forgive people is because God will repay. Right? First, he repays evil and good as our example. We already saw it, right? He's not holding men's sin against them. He says, I will repay. He says, he says, you overcome evil by good by doing what I do, blessing like I bless, give like I give. That's how I repay people today. Amen. So it ain't a God going to get you situation because I don't like you, but I'm going to just stay out of it. No, it's a situation of I'm going to bless you because God wants to bless you in spite of what you've done. Amen. But notice it says, Romans chapter, he's always displaying his goodness to win men over, and this is what we are called to. Romans chapter 2 and verse 3 says, since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same thing? See, what's he saying there? He's saying if you're judging everybody and holding their sins against them, that's first of all breaking the command of love, so you haven't repented of that yet. You got that issue, and when you stand before him one day, you go give an account for it. He ain't going to judge you now. A lot of people say, you know, if I walked in the door of a church, I mean, lights might fall in, the light might strike me. Like God's going to get them. God's withholding judgment. He's not going to judge you right now if you don't walk in love. You're just going to mess your life up and all the relationships you have. (laughs) But what he says there is he says, if you don't forgive, you're not going to avoid that judgment when the judgment day comes. How many realize even as every believer we're forgiven, but we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and he's going to look at us with eyes like a flame of fire, and he's going to call out what's been done that we haven't gotten right. That ain't going to be a happy day. It ain't going to keep us out of heaven, but it ain't going to be a happy day. Now notice two things, verse 3 and, five, 3 and 5 says, Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same thing? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself for a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be risen. So there, there it is. One of the reasons we forgive is because I don't want to stand before God one day. How many of you realize standing before him and giving an account for not forgiving is a lot bigger than just letting go of that maybe that thing, even that big thing that you may want to hold on to. Amen? But verse 4 says, Do you not see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can you see that this kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? See, when we don't judge and get even, but rather forgive and be kind, we're opening ourselves up to become a living example of God's love, and is that not what we're called to be? That is our ultimate goal. And the great news about that is this, and this is the point, I, this is still my introduction, can I, can I? <laughs> the great news about that is this point that I try to make every week, walking in love will not put you in the back seat. It will not make you the doormat it will actually put you in the front seat of your life. The great news is is God will restore anything you've lost through the wrong done to you by others. If you walk in love and if you fully forgive. Notice he says there, he says, I will repay. 
Well, who will he repay? Romans chapter 12. It says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, be not, but rather give place unto the wrath, for his written vengeance is mine. I will repay. He's not saying, I will get them for doing wrong. He's saying, I'm going to make sure you get repaid. He said, you can forgive because you can know that you, ain't, you, ain't got, you, you didn't lose nothing. See, a lot of times when we're mad and angry with somebody, we feel like we lost something. They took something from us. But people can't take from you that which they don't have the ability to take in the first place. Right? When you're in God's hands, that may look like they took something from you, but when you forgive, what he says is, he says, I'll get you repaid if you'll just forgive. But if you try to wrangle it yourself and hang on to it and fight with it and be mad about it and be better over it, and 20 years later you're still talking about it, guess what? It ain't in your, his hands, it's in your hands, and that's why you ain't gotten repaid yet. Some people say, well, I, you know, I'm walking in love, but I ain't got repaid yet. I remember when they did this to me. Well, then you ain't let go of it yet. If you, I mean, you're a human, you go remember. But when you're talking at, it at that level, you ain't let it go yet. Amen. And so when we completely forgive, we open the door for God to repay us. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 30 says, do not despise a thief if he steals. So you know, this verse is really interesting because it's practical application. Proverbs is a great, you know, that's a great coffee. Uh, read, a, read, a chapter, uh, read a chapter every morning. There's 30 of them, you know, every day of the, you know, just that way you're reading it every month, right? It's a great little practical application of our life. And so there's, there's practical application to this verse. What he says is when, if you read the rest of that verse, don't, don't, don't despise a thief if he steals when he's hungry, all right? So he's saying if somebody steals, don't despise the thief, don't, don't excuse it, don't say it's okay, but don't despise him, right? Well, the same thing would hold true for somebody who stole from your life because they did you wrong, right? Don't despise someone who's robbed, robbed you of something because of some motive that caused him to do that, whatever the motive is. And notice what it says, though. If he's caught, he must repay back seven times what he stole, right? Oh, there you go then. I'm going to go back to that person and say, you owe me seven times what you did to me. No, the real question is, if we look at this spiritually, is who is the thief, really, that steals from us when someone does us wrong? See, Ephesians tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We just stop right there for a minute and let you simmer on that one for a minute, because the person you don't, that ain't your problem. The person ain't your problem. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You say, well, that person's sure being used by the devil. Well, they may be. But the real problem is that they're blinded and don't realize what they're doing. Precious darling soul don't even realize it half the time, right? I mean, when a mama, I'm just asking the key of this one, but she's taking care of her baby. When a mama's baby poops its diaper, does the mama get mad at the, the baby don't know better, right? People that have done you wrong, you just need to look at it. Somebody just pooped the diaper in front of you. Poor, pathetic, pitiful thing. I just love them anyway. Amen? Why? Because you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He's saying that your problem is the spiritual darkness that influences people in their lives. And it may not be that the devil's just right behind them saying, get them, get them, get them, and they're demon-possessed. It could be they just they live in an unrenewed world, right? And they've been blinded for years to the, 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 the hurtful way that they live. 
Blinded by selfishness, blinded by protecting themselves, blinding by hurts, blinded by pain. You know the old phrase, hurt people hurt people. Right? Your problem when you're wronged is not the person, it is the enemy that's influencing them. And that's another perspective we can have that helps us forgive the individual, right? Poor, poor thing, they don't know better. If you're mature, right? So forgive them and their inability to harm them and just thank God that seven times what they stole is coming back to you because the enemy owes it to you. Amen. Man, I don't know, you, you might, that would be like, come on, everybody use me seven times, times seven times, times seven times, times seven times. If I keep forgiving them, man, I'm skyrocketing. <laughs> See, let's make a choice. To forgive others. Why? Because God promises us he'll take care of us. And let's not let the motive be because I get seven times back. Why? Because that'd be selfish. That's just a benefit. Let's let the motive be because it's uncommon. We're called to be disciples of Jesus. And I want to do it because he laid down his life for me. Therefore, I'm going to live for him. Amen. So we're endeavoring to grow in this love. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 9. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write unto you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, and indeed do so toward all the brethren. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase in it more and more. Introduction to my message done. I'll have to really see where we need to break this off possibly, but you're still connected. I can see you feel connected, so I'm going to keep going. When we get up each day, our, our, our heart, and we come to church, and he's been, Lord, help me grow in love. Help me grow in love. Help me grow in love. I've told different people on occasion, maybe I've said it from a platform. I, I, I'm telling you right now, I'm teaching for, I got about 10 more weeks in this one, then I got another 13-week series right behind it on love. I just think, that I, I almost felt like the Lord said, for the next year, I want you to teach on love. Well, I want to hear about the gifts of the Spirit. I want to hear about power. I, I tell you, you just walk in love, you'll get all of it. But I got to tell you, you get all that and you don't have love where we're just a tangling, jangling brass and clanging cymbal, the Bible says. So I don't know about you. I, I could care less. I, I mean, I, I want that building finished over there. But my primary motive for the next probably year for you guys is just to teach you about love. Well, we already know it. Well, he said, here, you already know it, right? Just encourage you in it. I, gotta, I don't know about you, but this has been challenging me. I've caught some areas in my life over the last couple of weeks where I had to make a choice to not be selfish and to love. Man, I hope we become so much like Jesus that people can't help but see the light. Amen? Amen. Now, where do we go from here? What time is it? 11.56. Come on up here, musicians. I'm going to break it off right here. I was going to teach on love covers but we just talked on love doesn't avenge itself, right? So we're going to leave it right there. So before you post the message online, just change it to love don't, don't, <laughs> I don't know, I'll give you the title. Love don't avenge. How many, how many, of, you, how many of you would like to hear more? Then come on back next week. <laughs> I, I sort of had a feeling I was going to have to break this off. So next week when you come back, I'm going to talk about how love covers. What do I mean love covers? I mean love doesn't expose the sins of others. Love gives people a safe place to land with the burdens of their life, knowing that 
what I'm about to unload is confidential and can be protected, and I can have a fresh start. Amen. So we're going to talk about that next week, but it's a lot to get into, and it's just too much to get into before today. It's just, I mean, obviously we could stay here, and I know there are folks that desire to do that, and I, I could do that, but I just feel like it's time to take a moment and worship God and let him know that we don't have to avenge, but we can just tell him our life is your life. We love you for what you did for us. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you so much. I feel like I've done what I needed to do. I really do feel a disconnect in my spirit. Not because people aren't willing to stay longer, but because I think we need to settle on this point right here first. That we need to forgive. That we don't need to avenge ourselves. We need to completely let go of the past. That we don't need to talk about it. That we don't need to dwell on it. That we don't remember it. We, we actually get it out of our lives so that we can open the door for restoration. As I'm even praying right now, I, may be, I believe there may be here, those here that have taken a step to truly do your best to forgive. But you mull over it in your mind. You still think about it. You still remember what you lost from what was done to you. You still mourn over what was lost because of what was done to you. And that mourning and hanging on to it instead of saying, no, I'm going to completely and totally forgive. I'm going to completely let go. I'm not going to let it, even when I think about it, I'm going to cast the thought down immediately and say, I'm touching something else. I done let that go. That's water under the bridge. That when we do that, at that point is when we open the door for restoration, for recuperation, for seven times over and greater coming back into our life. So Father, I pray if there be anyone here that is carrying around bitterness and unforgiveness, no, they've made choices to say I forgive them. They've made even choices in their heart to let it go. But maybe just a, an ink, just a small inkling of revelation has come forth this morning to recognize that letting it go is also forgetting it. That when the thought comes to mind, I give it to God. When the thought that they took from me comes to mind, they change their thinking to say they couldn't take from me what God has promised he will give me. I let it go. I let go of those people. I bless them. I bless them, Father. May we say that in our lives. Lord, I bless them. I, I want the best for them. Bless them. Help them. Oh, and I'll bless them and I'll help them. Father, may we walk in that kind of love. That we could hang upon the crosses of our life and look back at them and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We love them anyway. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.